0: The Apartment Rebellion will not be televised. Resident experience will be more than a buzzword. Staff experience will finally matter. It's happening right now. It's in the hands of the doers, the innovators, the boundary pushers, who are moving the industry forward, just like the people on this show. This is the Apartment Rebels podcast, hosted by Flamingo CEO, Jude Chi. Welcome, friends of the rebellion, and may the force be with you.
1: So welcome to the latest episode of Flamingos Apartment Rebels podcast, and today's rebel is Justin Dilly, who literally just landed. <laughs> <laughs> so Fruit. second thing you've done since you to landed today. So welcome to our latest episode. Um, so side note is this is your second time on our podcast yes. because the first time it was so bad. Was yeah, the sound was not good. So hoping that our second time filming live isn't as bad. So welcome, Justin. Thanks, good to be here. Cool, so uh, we wanted to talk with you about a few different things uh, related to the apartment industry, yeah. obviously, but more about technology in the property management industry. Yeah. So how can more apartments adopt technology in a way that makes sense, uh, what is out there, and then how do you go about implementing it in a way that makes sense for a property's portfolio? And then talk more about what you are doing today with Red Tango, and the problems you all are solving for the industry. Sure, yeah. So welcome, yeah, me too. Um, yeah, I mean
0: that's a that's a large question, yeah. um, but we'll go slow.
1: So let's start with a welcome first.
0: But yeah. uh, but in, in, in general, I mean, I think that when when property management companies are looking for technology, I think that the biggest um, the biggest uh, fight, the push mm. and pull, is really between putting everything in one place mm-hmm. and having it super simple yeah. uh, versus you know having multiple products and multiple systems to accomplish kind of what you need for your staff and your residents. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's um, as there's more and more companies coming into the space, um, it, it becomes harder to find out uh, what that tech stack is going to look like. Yeah. And so I think that one of the first kind of uh, process of eliminators should be the products that integrate um, because there's going to be more technology, there's gonna be more, uh, 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 more innovation that we don't really know about. Yeah. So if companies are not integrating and uh, partnering today, mm-hmm. Then they definitely won't be tomorrow. Yeah. So the ones that are are setting you up to have a more agile tech stack, so that when new, you know, whether it's you know AI or tours or you know um, resident engagement or CRMs or anything, the more that being all those things are being pulled together. Um, um, with different with different companies integrating together. Um, I think the stronger tech stack you have Yeah, and,
1: and no one company is ever going to be able to do everything, right? So even if a company is Providing one part of tech stack that covers a huge function whether it's the leasing or the resident experience or something else they still need to be able to Integrate with other parts of your tech stack. Right. But before jumping into that, we'd love to know a little bit more about you specifically and your background. So, how did you get started in the industry? Sure. Um, so, you know,
0: my first um, my first uh, job in the industry was really with um, uh, Building Link, yeah. which was kind of the the advent of a lot of these prop tech uh, companies. Um, you know, before that, you really had very you know, I remember the time when Entrada was just property solutions, mm-hmm. and they just really did paying rents. And now, now look at them. Um, So uh, I I kind of evolved really on the operations, the resident uh, engagement sides, working with, um, you know, management companies, helping them align their, uh, not just our product, but other products to be non-redundant and to get kind of the best use for everybody. Uh, Now I've moved uh, to Rentango, which is a a leasing platform. It's a centralized leasing platform. which uh, does several key functions that are often held in multiple things. So if you are, if you're using Yardi or Entrada, RealPage or whatever, you can get everything taken care of. Yeah. Um, unless you're a smaller guy and you might just be using Yardi for accounting or you might just be using one part of one, you know, one site. Um, Rentango allows you to kind of bolt uh, centralized uh, screening and signing mm-hmm. and, and syndication. All in one thing so it's a really it's kind of a value add rather than having to have multiple products that yeah. kind of do that that they, they don't integrate this is kind of one product that integrates with your kind of main core system
1: yeah so for those that are new to the industry or new to this type of functionality can you talk a little bit more about like the leasing journey yeah and then what parts you all cover and what that looks like on the rentangle platform
0: yeah yeah sure so uh-huh. i mean we're, we're really dealing with a marketing piece of it pushing out content uh through syndication to various ILSs. you know apartments.com facebook lots of places where folks find apartments uh-huh. um, we have a crm that's going to integrate with other CRMs uh soon um, and then we handle the whole transaction. So once that person is interested, once they start the application process, um, something unique to uh, the Rentango product is an applicant doesn't have to create an account to start a, renting an apartment. So they just start the process, it's all secure based on uh, their, their contact information, their email address from when they first made the guest card. And then it allows them to do upload all their documents, Put in all that information, get screened, get approved, actually pay for uh, you know your first month's rent, your deposit as you're signing the the document. Oh, so wow. it's a really a really seamless kind of uh, experience, and you know our goal is to really make it easy and enjoyable for a leasing team to do to do their job, and that's really um, where we where we stand. I think a lot of times you know in, when products are being vetted, you know. Uh, the on-site teams are brought in at the last hour when it's too late to vet anything else. You've already committed to going down this road, and then they they're kind of limited by what they're what they're given. Um, whereas this this is this is hoped to be flexible enough where if different leasing teams operate slightly differently based on their market that they're in or based on the property that they have. Yeah. There's
1: yeah. flexibility yeah. in our in our system to, to deal with that. Okay. So I wanna take a little bit of a step back. You mentioned something that I found interesting. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned that one of the unique things about Red Tango is that someone doesn't have to create an account to start using it. So for the people that might not be aware, like me, <laughs> why that's important like what's the benefit of that right
0: well i think it's just to get traction into leasing an apartment because a lot of people a lot of people the idea is moving them through the funnel right not everyone that's going to apply is going to get approved not everyone that's going to apply is going to even complete their application but one you know roadblock that we know and i know personally uh, we all probably know is that when you have to you know make another account to do something, you don't want to do it. Like I love ordering, you know, from Chipotle on my app, but man, the first time I had to create the account, I was like, maybe I should just walk there instead. Yeah. So I think that's the same thing with, uh, you know, leasing applications. Let me start the application. Let me use the smart link that I got in my email. Let me start giving you documents. And then when I become a resident, let me remember a username and password. Yeah.
1: It's like that meme that's like I'm out of passwords. Right. <laughs> like so many people are just right. exhausted having to create new passwords. Right. So then uh, the other thing that you mentioned for Red Tango is that it makes it really simple for the property to implement other systems or other software because if they have a different leasing team that prefers like something else, they can implement that. Can you talk a little bit more what that means and what that actually looks like? Sure, I mean, we're still,
0: this company is still so young, so, you know, all of the partnerships that we have or all the integration plans that we have are not, you know, finished, so, but being able to integrate with an accounting platform, it's, maybe you want to have a different CRM than what the accounting platform is, or maybe your accounting platform doesn't deal with, you know, uh, virtual tours. and you want to use another product, and we become a bridge for that. So, the, the the goal is to work with as many you know different partners as we can, so that for key things like self like self guided tours, virtual tours, CRMs, all of that, you can kind of use whatever you want. You're so not you best, best in class, best yeah. in class, and best for you because yeah. there's you know there's great a lot of great products, um, but you know some are better for others depending on the company, uh, depending on the type of resident, depending on the market. And I think that um, all of those pieces need to be kind of evaluated and then reevaluated as a as a residential portfolio grows. Yeah.
1: And then the key part of what I want to dive really deep on is what he mentioned at the beginning, which is a key decision that a property manager or owner has to make is do they go with the one stop uh, strategy or do they go with the best in class strategy? So basically, do they go with one company or one platform that does a lot, or do they try to find one that does a few things, then they can add all the things that are best in class for them. Right. So can we dig into that? Like, how should an owner go about making that decision? What right. are the pros and cons of each?
0: Well, it, it, it's kind of like, uh, you know, it's like a, w- w- when something is it, you know it reminds me of you know you know Marvel uh, cartoons. It's like when something grows too large, um, it's really hard when it falls. It's really hard when it falls. So for whatever reason, you change from one large system to something else. It, it's a massive undertaking. Whereas the, the incremental changes to grow your tech stack and to evolve your tech stack, it, 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 you're able to move quicker by having your uh a diversified uh tech stack it's the same thing that any you know financial person would tell you as well why invest all of your money in x invested in x y and z and so that's true for technology that technology is a com- commodity as well and certain companies will last certain companies will be bought by other companies certain technology will change um, and your needs will change so having the having the ability to pivot quickly um, not just with your teams and your training and all of the other things that people talk about, but with your tech stack is really important. And it's a lot easier to pivot where, where your tech stack is going when you're able to plug and pull out multiple things rather than completely overhaul the whole thing that has been the one-stop shop.
1: So then what would be some of the disadvantages of utilizing like multiple defense systems rather than that one-stop strategy? I imagine that a big challenge is when you utilize multiple defense systems, you have to pick ones that can integrate with each other because right. the disadvantage is if you have all of these uh, separate systems, they don't actually talk to each other. Right. Right. Which is which is why like you know back to
0: what my earlier you know point was is that that's really the way forward with all of these companies is to work with partners where you can and integrate where you can, um, you know, if our true goal is to make it easier on a management company, on a resident, on their teams, then, then we have the power to do that. We have the power to make it easier by working and collaborating together. Um, and Pepsi will never work with Coke and that's okay. But, but the ability, the ability to, um, to have that flexibility is important. And I think that, um, the the other piece that's that's tricky is the is the training that goes along with it. I mean, that's often the one that I hear the most, which is we need to have everything working the same way, so that our training is consistent, so that our teams are consistent, so that our and that's very true. But I think it 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 takes away from some of the value of these tools because there's so many tools out there that rely on the knowledge and the skill set of the people on site or in a region to be able to really serve that region. And some companies do that better than others, management companies, where they really focus on a regional approach or a kind of, you know, group approach to certain uh, kinds of technology.
1: that's a really good point. So as companies think about some of the challenges that comes with implementing technology, one of which you alluded to, which is the knowledge, the training, the implementation, what is the best strategy for companies to use to ensure that they get the most out of whatever system they implement? Yeah. Whether it's the one-stop system or whether it's the best-in-class yeah. strategy. I mean, I
0: really think it's it it, it, it it a huge piece of it for sure is um, partnering with Companies that will be a partner and not a vendor, and they're not just selling units to make the next you know round of funding. Yeah. It's that they're, that the priority is really that the deployment and the, the actual utilization is the main thing, um, because that will that will that will add to your growth across the board. Uh, when you have teams that have the capability to do that, when they have the uh, whether it's virtual resources, you know, resource libraries where you can you know, like um, LMS systems where people can learn on their own or where they have like like real live chat help or support or account management, however a team decides to structure it, um, that they're really making the product work for that client. And so I think selecting who you select is really key to that and then I think, you know, Figuring out how you evaluate that technology. I think a lot of folks. What I think what happens in the industry is, you know, someone comes in, they overhaul their, the tech stack, they work on it, they evolve it over years, yeah. and then they move to a different company, and then they bring that tech stack with them, and then someone comes into the other one and they switch it and change it because you're, people are really comfortable using what they are familiar with. Yeah. So I think putting into place best practices for how you evaluate your technology. Um how frequently you um, you uh, look for new technology and then you know relying on the the help of your of of your partners, of those uh, technology companies to say you're not using it enough here. Yeah. Um, no one wants to pull a report to say, oh, we're wasting our money. Yeah. The companies that are giving you the reports, the companies that are giving you the um, insight and saying, hey, you could actually do this across the board and this would happen. Those are the
1: companies you want to work with. Yeah. So you brought up a couple of interesting points that I want to dig a little bit deeper. So when it comes to technology, there's obviously a lot out there. There's a lot of resident engagement platforms. There are a lot of CRMs. There's a lot of screening software. There are a lot of different accounting systems. So how should companies go about evaluating the best in class for them specifically? And how often should they go about evaluating if what they have in-house makes sense? Right,
0: I, I mean, I think it's, it's having a, you know, I think it's having a committee of, um, of people on a team that is diverse and not just diverse in like who they are as people, yeah. but diverse who they are in the company. Um, oftentimes, these decisions only incorporate a certain level of, of people, uh, you know, people higher up in marketing, people have to work their way through all the way up into corporate. But there's a lot of new things happening on site, there's a lot of new things happening in, in new in cities in new developments, what's happening. So making sure that you're reaching across different regions reaching across different types of roles in the company and having them sit on uh, um, uh, on a on a way to vet these products and also incentivize them for doing so. I mean, I think that, you know, a company that says, hey, you know, don't just lease up, you know, super fast. What if you discovered the next like game changing product? there's nothing that really incentivize people people that are that go to these local trade shows that go to these um, different events that do the you know the comp walks and get get to see all the products there's very little for them to incentivize them other than just comp- competing with their uh, pro- other properties to like hey I want to bring this idea to the to the team so I think that I think that the more people that are involved in that beginning uh, that beginning phase um, Is going to give you more voices and more, and then you're able to sift through that at the end.
1: So, what's the actual best way of going about doing that? So let's say my company sends me to OpTech or to Apartmentalize or to Mm -hmm. whatever trade show. How do I, how can a company incentivize me to find the actual best product? Right.
0: Well, I mean I think that you know offering offering your insight. I mean the idea would be that you're you're you know you're you're talking about a product that you understand. So you you don't talk about a product that you don't understand and the reason you understand the product is because you have the problem that it solves. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's the, that's the thing is what's the what's the problems on your site? What do you hate on your site? What three things could you eliminate right now if you could on your daily routine? Have you seen any products that help you? Oh, yeah, these five products could probably help me. That's a good identifier to be able to say, OK, let me pass it up. And somebody that works in facilities, somebody that works in leasing, they're all going to have a different you know, vantage point on what those problems are. You know, having clear channels on how to identify those problems and then let people come up with possible solutions um, as well. I think sometimes people are really good about bringing up the problem and then that gets passed on, and then you have other people, well, we're gonna be the solution givers. And we'll go find the solution to your problem. But I think let's, like, I would like to see, you know, cultures open up that table a little bit more because the people that have the problem are the ones that know it the best. Rather than having it just like, oh, I know my team needs this, that person doesn't totally understand it the way that those other people do. Yeah,
1: no, I love that approach because, like, when I look around the industry and look at, all the conversations I've had, a lot of times it's clear that a company implemented a technology without really fully evaluating which problems it solved, where it's more like, hey, this is shiny and new, and the partner said X, Y, or Z. They didn't fully map out, we have X problem, you have this feature or whatever that solves it. Yeah. You have this problem, you have this issue that solves it. Yeah. So really mapping it one for one, one for one, so you know, okay, this solves all those things. Yeah, That's a great way to explain it
0: too, because I think you're right. When, they, when, a, when, when people do roll out programs, they're really trying to say, hey, this is how you roll it out. These are the expectations you need to do without the why behind it or the how kind of, which is saying, we, we're getting this product, and this is going to do X, Y, and Z. I, don't, I think those two things often
1: are missed mm-hmm. uh, between,
0: between people when they're, when they're commu- implementing.
1: Yeah. So and then taking that to the next stage, how do you figure out what companies are able to solve that the best? So for example, we are choosing between two pet screening companies. They both say they do pet screening. How do I know which one does it the best? or I'm choosing between two companies that allow me to text my residents. They both allow me to text my residents. How do I evaluate those more technical and um, yeah, the more technical parts of the product or the platform or everything right. else?
0: I mean, I think I think having pilot programs is really the key, you know, and 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 making sure that those pilot programs are deployed in different kinds of properties so that you can test for various variables, you know? One, you know, super high luxury, you know, affordable housing, something in the middle, urban, suburban, like go across all the different kind of points and have enough pilot uh, programs so you can kind of see, you know, oh, this one, this one's great for these two kinds of properties, but it's not great for our whole portfolio. This one is not as great, but it's still pretty good and it covers our whole portfolio. So maybe that's the choice we make. Um, so i think that's really i think i, I think having a an organized way of, of uh of saying um this is how we test our technology um, and putting that into place and you see more and more companies you know creating roles around this than you know five years ago those roles didn't exist it just kind of fell to marketing and marketing kind of created teams on the ad hoc now there's like dedicated you know roles for innovation for this kind of technology specifically and so those folks are charged with coming up with uh, not just selecting, but creating the legacy of how things get selected. I, I think that's the, it's, it's sort of the how to do it, not just we do it, it's how do you select it? And it's gonna be different for each company too,
1: what, what their goals are. Yeah. And I think that's so important if you have something concrete in place about like how you actually go about selecting technology. Yeah. yeah, It's like these are the criteria yeah. we we'll look at here's how we test it out we need to test each out on one of our suburban properties one of our downtown properties one of our newer properties one of our older properties so at the end you get a full cycle and understanding of how well each platform actually solves those different problems exactly yeah no absolutely love that so then thinking about um some of the other challenges that goes into selecting platforms and then implementing them. So once you have implemented platform, you are happy with it, everything is going well, why and how should companies go about ensuring that this is still the best in class? How often should they go about just looking around? Right. <laughs> really evaluating what they already have in place? Because again, yeah, one of the things I've found for the multifamily industry is that if it's working, no one really bats an eye. Right. Or if it's kind of working, <laughs> not, it's not <laughs> right. necessarily like, working well. there's
0: no major problems. Yeah. Then it's, than it, the, you know, no, no no one talks about it. Um, I think that one of the, I think one of the things that I've seen most effective is when, uh, when you... In, in, when, when people include their teams you know that and, and I you know I've seen this done with several companies in the past um, but that alerts them to what's going wrong um, but in terms of keeping the health of something I think that I think that technology is still not uh, you know I was talking to somebody in fintech the other day a friend of mine and we were and he's kind of looking at prop tech and he was just joking because it's we're, very, we're behind a lot of other technologies in this way. But I think that um, coming up with um, a, 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 an organized way to train your team on the technology versus just it's a tool we use. I think it's more of, it's not just a tool, but it's part of the culture. It's part of how we do things. And I think that utilization, that optimization, that is this the best in class, that evaluation, doesn't get put in there. It gets put in there largely, uh, like on a whole, but on a site level, right, you evaluate your teams, how how quickly, you know, work orders are closed, how, how fast it is to lease up. You do not evaluate, often, how much your technology is being used, how much your technology is making people happy or content or solving the problem. Um, partially because a lot of the tools, you have to go in and grab it, and there's just not enough time. They may want to, it's just they, there's not enough time. And partially because that's not what's in the big book. The big book is about other kinds of things that deal with resident satisfaction. And some of these other kinds of platforms are still on the peripheral where they're, you know, the, you have one really engaged person that's all hot to trot about it, and then they get moved on to the new lease up. The other person comes in, They never saw the demo, they never saw it, they didn't even understand it, and there's nothing really on-site to help them find their way to use the tool that they have. Half the time, they don't know that these products are even on on their site.
1: So then, how can that be solved? Does that fall on the partner to solve that type of challenge, which is basically utilization? Mm -hmm. Or does that fall on the owner, operator, to solve that problem, to make sure that their teams are actually utilizing the yeah. technology that's been
0: implemented. I think just just like the word says, like partnership. I think it's like a two, it's a two way street. It's it's meet in the middle, and you know, like a like a marriage. It's maybe sixty percent, forty percent, eighty percent, twenty percent. It's going to change depending on what it is. It's not going to be the same. I mean, the owner operator uh, they're going to have to uh, give parameters on what what they want to accomplish, and. The, uh, the, the partner, the vendor, is gonna to have to give ideas on what else is possible to help them know what they want to accomplish or not. And then they work out a, s- a joint strategy together to say, how can, how can my team, how can my company, my partner, sh- help my staff? Who do I need to work at? Is it, a, is it a quarterly check-in with these three people and these you know customer success people on a team? is it a weekly thing is it more i mean it could, it's going to vary from product to product and company to company but it really is coming to that negotiation of what that is and uh, i think the negotiation often happens stops right at the beginning of the of the partnership where the deal is closed and it's harder to keep renegotiating what that is but i think when it comes to optimization and engagement and kind of still proving value and making sure folks are engaged and know how to use it Um, I think that's an ongoing kind of uh, joint responsibility.
1: So kind of breaking that down a little bit more and from a very like practical perspective, if I am an operator and I have implemented this new technology, how from my end do I need to go about making sure that my teams are using it? So let's say I'm the VP, I've just signed up on this because I truly believe this is the best in class technology. And I know it's going to make a huge impact on my leasing teams. How do I actually make sure that the teams are using it? Like, what are some really practical ways right. of ensuring that that actually happens? Right. I think.
0: I think one practical way is 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 putting it into your your playbook on site. Uh, oftentimes, that stuff is not the like part of it. It's a separate. It's auxiliary. And so, therefore, it's auxiliary, and then you have all these auxiliary kind of things, and it's not all kind of rolled in. That that can cause confusion. Um, I think the other thing too is to is to monitor or be able to evaluate it, like key metrics. So, be able to look at something across the portfolio and be able to identify flags that say, "Wait a minute, this is consistent with eighty percent of our properties, yet this is this is weird. Let's focus on this and look and look at it." Uh, so I think that you know you, you, you can't you can't spend you can't spend too much time um, you know uh, uh, tr- you know trying to get something that doesn't work. But I think the I think the identifying something quickly and then bringing in the the partner into the solution on say I want to get more engagement here at the very beginning rather at the very end because a lot of times everyone tries to figure out internally how can we use more of x or how can yeah. we get more value out of x they don't do it successfully yeah. and then they say hey we're not going to use this anymore and then everyone scrambles to say no 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 but you have to use more because we you weren't using x so that conversation should have happened you know 2 years before that and so it's it's the onus is on ownership to say hey my product is your product isn't looking good here fix it yeah. and then it's coming up with that joint strategy yeah.
1: So, then, do you think it, that it falls more, I know you mentioned, like, it's a partnership between the operator and the vendor or supplier. Do you think it falls more on the supplier or it falls more on the operator to make sure that the technology implemented is successful? Right. I think for it, the,
0: the ownership has to be the one to pull the trigger. Um, so the way they're the ones that sign the paycheck. They're the ones that are going to say, this is part of your job. But the, uh, but the partner is the one who develops the strategy to do it. So they're really developing the strategy. Here's how you go about doing this. Here are three different ways. And then uh, the owner operator is the one to say, execute how it gets done. And they're the ones to say, okay, this is how we're going to deploy this. This is how we're gonna check this. This is how we're gonna validate this. Yeah.
1: Nice. And then looking a little bit externally, uh, this is a question that I've just started asking, but looking externally, what are some solutions, industries you see doing things really well that the multifamily industry can do more of?
0: Right. Um, that's a great question. I mean, I think, you know, I think the... Uh, I. I think the commercial, uh, some of the commercial space um, is real estate space is doing some really, really smart things, um, and, you know, and they're, they're different because they're, they're dealing with a lot of people. It's, it's not just tenants, it's people that are passing through, um, you know, these public spaces or, you know, private spaces, but they're, you know, they don't, they don't hang their hat there. They're just passing through retail, they're passing through offices, they're just going there. So they have to be very creative and open for all the platforms to work for people that live. For people. And So they're they're a little ahead of the game in that. Um, but a totally separate industry um, that I think is is doing is doing well is also the uh, the travel industry. I mean, I think COVID is, has had to push them to do this more. But the ability for you know for different platforms to be more integrated uh, from, you know, just h- hotels to all of it. It's it's all kind of, it's way more, it's much easier to travel than it was 10 years ago. And that's because various platforms have opened up. So you really can kind of, um, you, you really can kind of, uh, uh, they, they're leading in the way of, of from a user experience where it's not painful
1: to travel. It's like wow, you can book a flight on Expedia for American Airlines, for United, for Southwest. Yeah, I mean, whatever, whatever you're hotel. choosing,
0: you can find the same things in a, a multitude of ways. Oh. And I think the same thing's true with um, with uh, with with residential. I, you know, residents should have options. They shouldn't just be limited to one particular way of doing things. So things that uh, allow them to. Experience or add on or opt into or do things like that—they that, that they have control over. The more that we see of that, I think the more that they'll reflect other uh, other industries that are kind of already done that with saying these are the you know this is the types of you know things I want to see. This is the types of thing I want access to. Um, I think that there are products starting to do that now um, for sure, but uh, we could adopt that more more so across
1: the, across the industry. And then, if you could solve one problem for the apartment industry, what would be that problem?
0: Hmm. Uh, I think the, I think I would solve, um, I think I would solve uh, the, the the pace in which things move. I think that, I think I would solve, I think ex- expediency, expediency in everything, you know? Um, you know, know about delays before they happen. Know about deals that won't close before they happen. You know, the long sales cycle should be shorter. Long bills should be, I mean every, I think shoring up the the ability to forecast, I think that that would be a great thing. Because right now I think on all kinds of uh, products and companies and everything, uh, timelines are really off. Everyone's timeline is off, and people are operating on different timelines. And and um, being able to limit that timeline and being able for for folks to get on a more universal timeline and the more universal cycle because they're they're all over the place. Um, and I think that would that would be help helpful.
1: Yeah. And one thing there is. For an operator or a property manager who is able to change that timeline, mm-hmm. that would really allow them to take advantage of all the new technology much, much faster yeah. than their peers. Because if everyone else is on a two-year timeline, that gives you two years to really take advantage of that new data platform or right. that new revenue platform right. or that new whatever. Right.
0: And new. and also the, the churn within a company, right? If you're if, if your average churn is two years or 1.5 years or 2.3 years, you're not really getting the value out of your technology either if the people using it are happy, you're constantly cycling through and they're not able to really own it because then they move to another company and the systems are different and they have to kind of relearn. So. I think the timeline's everywhere. You know, we get people to stay in one place a little longer, we get people to use things longer, we get people to move towards things faster and, and pivot quicker when they do want to pivot. I think that
1: that would help I think that would help everyone. Yeah. And then my last question, which is what I ask almost everyone, but what are your top three predictions for the multifamily industry for the next year, two, three, four, five years?
0: All right. Um, I guess my, my top, my top, my very top one would be um, very diverse um, product. Uh, the the incorporation of the hospitality space, like the Airbnb model, mixed with resident units, mixed with micro units, mixed with you know that. So that one one particular traditional build is not a traditional build anymore. That the more common new build would be. A conglomeration of these kind of various product types, so that if you want to live in downtown Seattle and you want a three bedroom, this building has it. They also have a micro unit. There's also an Airbnb if I'm coming in from out of town and want to stay for a month. And it's going to accommodate lots of different types of renters, not just one particular type of, of resident. Um, two, I think that like that product, I think that the, the prop tech space will will be continually moving more and more resident focused, Mm -hmm. where a resident will really reign reign king. You know, they're not gonna have to, they're not gonna have to drive cars anymore because they're gonna just, you know, cars will just go where they are. So they're gonna have plenty of time to do everything on their their device that deals with their home, from shopping to utilities to all all of those things will become more and more connected so that uh, living is really a more unified experience for the resident. And third, I think that uh, I think that there will be um, new new urban new urban renewals. So you know that I think that the, the the as like cities that haven't like Raleigh and you know Nashville and or as these cities have expanded and are kind of hitting their bandwidth, I think you're going to see these other cities like. You know, Detroit's already kind of on its way, but just, you know, Indianapolis, like these other cities that maybe don't have as much growth as some of the ones in more recent years, um, they'll probably be the next next yeah. to go because people want to live. Yeah, like the tier
1: three cities. Yeah. yeah. And interestingly, for the first one that you mentioned about apartments becoming able to accommodate different types of renters, I recently saw that Y Hotels recently bought um, of another apartment in I think Nashville mm-hmm. and they are turning it into that concept yeah, where exactly. they have long term and short term gas and
0: they're going to own the whole process I mean I know that like um, Alfred Hotels will often like you know approach developers that like you know that maybe say hey you haven't sold yet for two years we'll like rent out half of this until you totally lease up so that's been happening for a little while but why Hotels is really cool because they'll um They'll actually be owning the whole. They'll be running the building, and they'll be incorporating hospitality as part of it. So there's been a move towards that in the the property management space of saying, you know, we want residents that want to live in these types of properties. They want services. They want they want to be able to like you know uh, feel like they're in a hotel in their home. And uh, Y Hotel is like they're kind of taking that. Model and running with it. Yeah, no, love it.
1: Yeah. Well, Justin of Rentango, thank you for yeah, being thank on you. our podcast. Oh, appreciate it. Yeah, you are officially an apartment rebel. I <laughs> need <laughs> it. Yeah. <laughs> <So>, nice. <thanks>, Justin. <laughs> that was a fist Thank ball. you. Yeah. Nice. Thanks.